Okay, well tonight we're in the we're in First uh, Timothy chapter five, as I said, and we're gonna keep moving forward here through the book of First Timothy. Uh, we're going to be tonight looking at verses uh, 1 through 16. Before we get into the text, I will give you a little bit of introductory comment. Uh, this fifth chapter uh, obviously falls on the... We've been going so slow that it's not very fluid, but we, if we go all the way back to chapter 3 where we were talking about the, minis, min, uh, the ministry, or the, uh, the mystery, I should say, rather, in chapter 16, the mystery of godliness, and really uh, is ideal, fitted there at the end of chapter 3, is the officers are laid out there and they are to reveal and manifest the character of Christ. And then in chapter 4 we see that the whole next chapter is dealing with those who really struggle or, or actually oppose in many ways um, you know the the spirit of God um, there these are folks that uh, there's a battle obviously going back and forth there's those that speak lies and hypocrisy and a good minister is going to put people in remembrance of those things um, that the Lord has said and uh, and nourish up people in the words of faith um, and then the last admonition there to Timothy is in verse 16 of chapter 4 take heed unto thyself unto the doctrine continue Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so as we get into chapter 5, Paul has mentioned in chapter 4 that Timothy is not to, not to neglect the gift of God that's in him by the laying on the hands of the presbytery, which we talked about last week. The word presbytery simply means the elders of the congregation. Uh, now Paul uh, turns and addresses the need of the men of the church to care for their widows and their elders, and uh, we should not neglect those who are in our congregation. And so um, uh, we were just talking about that this morning with the shepherding of the flock. I some good testimonies in the foyer about that too people taking care of their families and different things so that was good uh, when we speak of building people which is what we you know the thematic uh, nature of what we're going through building people who build churches uh, i was thinking about that in, in what by way of introduction when we think about physical buildings um you know, uh, it's it's interesting how they're constructed often by uh, companies with family names. Now, we're not building physical buildings in the church. It's a spiritual building. It's the body of Christ. Uh, and when we talk about building the body, we're talking about edifying one another in love and building each other up. Each member is not only a building block, uh, but we're also building partners. So we're going to do this together. So the idea is to grow people strong enough that they can continue. They can start to contribute in the edification progress, progress and build uh, one another up in the faith uh, in the construction business um, though here in the Kansas City area I was thinking about uh, even here in Kansas, in Harrisonville uh, in Cass County just all the the construction companies who have the name of their of the owner right it's usually a family-owned business I was thinking that's interesting how construction companies not always but are often um, you know family-owned and they bear the name of you know that there's that painting group that was running around here brad and dad i think they may, may have painted the front of our building uh brad and dad and uh and uh, and then there's a lot of companies you know all over the place all over the united states it's so-and-so and sons right and they're always including their their posterity in this construction process and uh, i hadn't actually thought of that until i was getting ready to do this session today and i thought I mean, that's kind of neat how uh, even in the world construction in the building process is usually related to a family um you know a, a, a knowledge that's passed on many people think jesus was a carpenter right and he inherited that from his um you know adopted father uh, joseph of course he's a creator of all and he was a builder i don't know about all that but he's certainly uh but we certainly see in in um in 
in life that oftentimes the construction business, whether it's tradesmen uh, or owners, uh, keep it in the family because they keep that body of knowledge. And uh, I was thinking about this building was built by Ryan or by uh, Dan Bowden, and then he was he was uh, going to give the company over to his son. One of the largest construction companies in the United States is right here in Kansas City, and it's named after one family, the J.E. Dunn family, right? And so. Um, uh, building is something that goes on in a family unit. That's my point, uh, and it, not only in uh, oh, not only in the world, but in the in the biblical sense. Uh, so the company I used to work for was called Fagan, and that was a Fagan family, uh, Strickland Construction, Dasta Construction, Kate's Construction. I was just going all these. I was thinking about all these companies I know, uh, and the people who own them, and their families that go on down through the generations. And the only way to take care of a family business, right, is to take care of your customer, but also to take care of your family, right? You got to make sure you have people coming behind uh, and employees that are going to continue that that uh, that vocation and that uh, body of knowledge has to be transferred to the next generation because it's a certain expertise that you gain uh, that is not easily replicated. Um, and, of course, that's just a shadow of what we do as the body of Christ. Of course, we're all in Christ, and Christ is a builder. We know from Matthew sixteen eighteen, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we're all, when we're born again, we're brought into that family, and we become part of that building process. And uh, Ephesians talks about how we edify one another in love, and it is a it is a, a building process, and and it's a family business, so to speak, that we're all in. We're all in the business of of edifying the body of Christ. So as we get to chapter five, uh, you know. Paul turns his attention on how to actually build the body of Christ, right? How to build up the body of Christ. And uh, and he says in chapter 5, looking in verse 1, he says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers and younger sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any man have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplication and prayers night and day. But she liveth in pleasure. She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Uh, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of, uh, for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work, but the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for um, uh, some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let uh, let not the church be charged that it may uh, relieve them that are widows indeed. 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to come together. We thank you for including us in this uh, inside conversation, this pastoral epistle that you had given uh, to Timothy via Paul. Lord, it's, uh, it's, in, it's canonized in the Word of God because of the instructions that you've given us for the church, and we are so thankful for that. And Lord, um, I don't know that Paul thought those words were going to be in Scripture, but we're glad that they are. And I'm thankful that, Lord, you um, uh, inspired them, preserved them for us today so we can learn from them and that we can be bodybuilders, Lord, and that we can edify one another in love. Thank you for these words that uh, that sometimes seem harsh, uh, especially in our culture today. People uh, d- don't understand the biblical worldview. They don't understand biblical authority. They don't understand a lot of things about what you've designed. But, Lord, uh, your ways are not our ways, and your ways are perfect. And so, Father, I pray that we would set aside any preconceived notions that we have and that we would uh, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which not only saves our soul, but also teaches us and guides us and and transforms us into your very image, Lord, from faith to faith. I pray, God, that you just bless the reading, the hearing, and the application of your word. I thank you for the songs, Lord, that we've sung that have been lifted uh, to heaven, Lord. I I just uh, thank you in advance for the time we're going to have in prayer here in just a little while. Uh, Lord, is it so important to advancing uh, the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God by the grace of God. And I pray, God, that you would have your uh, your hand uh, and your heart all over it, Lord. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Could I make a comment? To me, you know, after you've read all this, it seems like there was a lot given to that. So there must have been a lot of widows that Timothy would have to deal with. I mean, there must have been a whole lot. Because just a lot was you know, talked about here. Well, and Ephesus is a huge city too, and so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of social issues in general when you look at Ephesus, um, because it's not just the widows; uh, it's the family structure. So the, it's it's not much different when you look at Corinth and you look at Ephesus. I think Ephesians, the Ephesians are probably better. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they had the goddess Diana and all of that going on, so they had a lot of harlotry and. Uh, pagan activity, uh, but the Corin- between the Corinthians and the Ephesians, there really wasn't anything any more wicked today going on than there was then. I mean, a lot of times we think that it's 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 as bad as it's ever been, but it's pretty bad. And uh, trying to conduct church in that, you know, would have would have need- they would have had to have a major mind shift. But yes, uh, the issue of widowhood. Uh, obviously was uh, first and foremost uh, and of course um, yeah, th- this was also very practical because these were issues inside the church and was probably a burden on the church so he was trying to help men be men as I was talking about this morning and take care of their responsibilities so yeah uh, something was going on with the widows for sure uh, so point one um, he's got a charge to give here uh, that's that's my first point there so when we love God we take care of our responsibilities to others that's really the premise of what in verses 1 through 16 that's really what he's in essence if I was going to give you a summary in one sentence you know if we love God we're going to take care of of the people that God has given responsibility to care for uh, and so one of the things, though, that he's doing here is Timothy's a pastor, right? So Timothy's charged with building the, uh, the body and ordering the body and pastoring this church. And so he's making sure that he addresses the members appropriately in verses 1 and 2. So um, he's not telling him not to rebuke an elder. He's just saying this is how you rebuke an elder. You know, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, right? And younger men as brethren, 
So he's saying that you know you need to have tact, and when you, when you're dealing with elder uh, elders, now not just pastors. I think he's talking about elder men in the church, and uh, and also younger men, right? Don't lord over them. Don't be a Roman general. Uh, treat them as brethren. Um, and then in verse two, he says, "Now elder women as mothers and younger younger as sisters with all purity." So he's really he's asking Timothy to see the focus on the family. Basically, look at the body of Christ as a family. But when I was up in um, Michigan a few weeks ago, I was talking with uh, Arion Vogley and and uh, Yonita and. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I was. We were in the car and the going back to the hotel, and Chuck Swindoll came on, and they were slicing him up, you know, talking about you know Chuck Swindler and all this stuff. They all these names for him, but you know, I kind of, I kind of gently, gently applied this. I gently rebuked him. I said, you know what, guys? When I was a young Christian, I grew up in a militant um, discipleship. And um, and it was very militarized, it's structurally, just kind of a top-down, just which is okay biblically. That's exactly what I needed. It was no problem. But I can remember driving in my car um, to work in the morning, and Chuck Swindoll would come on, and uh, he would have this gentleness. Now he was an old Marine, so I mean he's not I mean, he's not a pushover, but he had this gentleness about the way in which he spoke. I don't know if you've ever heard Chuck Swindoll. Uh, he's a very good speaker, no matter what you think of his. Uh, his all of his theology and um you know i was i would listen to him and one day it occurred to me what is it that i'm so attracted to when i i would get to where i'd look forward to hearing that message on the way to work and i realized what it was was huh what do you think it was well yeah gentleness is his gentleness made me great that's what uh, david said in the old testament so it was his gentleness but it wasn't just his gentleness it was the fact that i could tell he addressed the congregation uh, it, what, what I didn't hear was the militant nature that I'm, I was accustomed to. It wasn't what he was saying. It was it was the what he wasn't doing that I uh, I could sense. And and also in a lot of his illustrations, it was very uh, family centric about his kids and his family and his wife and his you know I could just sense that he was a family man. Um, of course, not knowing at the time that my pastor was, uh, you know, doing all kinds of things he shouldn't. But uh, the point being is that um, is that was very attractive to me, and um, even without even knowing it. And I say that because that's really what Paul is saying here. When you look at these first two verses, he's like, "Hey, Timothy, uh, we're in a battle, right? And I'm going to tell you to to quit yourself like men and be strong. And I'm going to tell you that you know this charge, and you got to have a militaristic mindset. And there's, by the way, I just want to balance what I just said. You do have to have a militaristic mindset to lead in the church. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I don't think everyone has to. I think I do. Anyway, so so to really accomplish the mission, you got to have things in order. There has to be layers of structure. you got to understand all that. That's biblical. Uh, I mean, Ephesians 6 isn't in there on accident. So, uh, yes, Ron? 1 Timothy 6. And we're, we haven't gotten to it yet. Right, 1 Timothy 6. Right, he's going to get to that part. But when he's dealing with the relationships, thank you. But he's dealing with the relationships, right? He's, he says, hey... Um, when you have an issue in, with some of these elder folks and then some of the younger folks, treat them like family members. Treat them like dads. Treat them like moms. Treat them like brothers. Right? Don't don't just dress them down. Uh, address the members appropriately, which is the blank there. So treat the members of the body as family. Treat them as family. Uh, the church is not an organization. It's an organism. And we're not joined like a club. Uh, but we have the spirit of the living God that connects all of us to God through the Son, who is the branch, as I talked about this morning. And so 
Uh, we are the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, because we are uh, uh, one body. Paul gives Timothy instructions on how he is to address members in particular. So point two, the difference between entreating and rebuking. What is the difference there? Because he does have a, he does have a distinction there. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat. Um, okay, so let's talk about that. So entreat originates from the Greek word, um, and you'll some of you may recognize this, parakleitho, and it means um, to call near. This is uh, invite or invoke or implore, um, and so it's a consolation. Uh, we also could use the word beseech or call uh, to be of good comfort, um, desire, give, exhort, um, uh, entreat and pray. Those are all kind of definitions or synonyms. Of course, entreat is the word we're talking about. Uh, it, it's translated beseech in 1 Corinthians 12.1, and it's translated exhort uh, and pray and comfort in other places. So the idea is to come alongside and uh, you know gently. Uh, we're not to deal harshly with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to entreat them, showing them really what it boils down to is respect and, and deference, right? Not to lord over them. Right, but being an example of God's heritage—that's really what Paul is is uh, is communicating here. So when we don't we don't have uh, when we don't have to interact within the body of Christ with um, when we don't act. I'm sorry. When we don't interact with the body of Christ with humility, we give place to the devil. And uh, you know, I mentioned that word uh, parakli. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this. Parakaliho is what it, how it's pronounced. Uh, it's similar to that word paraclete, which is where we get the word comforter, right? In John fourteen twenty six, which is a paracletos, or an intercessor or consoler. So you can kind of see there's a similar, uh, you know, tone to that, an advocate, a comforter. So we come alongside and we're basically interceding, trying to communicate with them. We should serve as a, a tender advocate to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you can just... He deals with chapter 4. There's some people you just can't deal with. But he's talking about a, a, a mother, a father, a brother, or a sister here. And he used to treat them like that. A mother, father, brother, or sister. So, point three, and treat an elder as a father. And that applies to all the elders in the congregation, not just the pastors. So, um, you know, you don't walk up to a guy like Bob Bolkin um, or, or uh, um, Barry Ferguson... I could think of others, and address them with disrespect. You just don't do that, right? You should treat them with respect. Brian Johnson, you know, some of the elder men in our congregation, um, Steve Morford, whoever we're talking about, um, you know, you don't walk up to them. with They're they're to be entreated as you would a father or grandfather. Um, as as we read, these are these are men who bear the responsibility for their families. Uh, an elder man, or or also of course pastors, uh, but elder men are pastors of their homes. Are often pastors of their of their families. There's a lot of people that look up to them uh, in our community. Some of these men I just mentioned in his, the history of Heartland, we've had some incredible. Um, elders in the sense that not you know you, in the Old Testament you'd have city elders and they'd sit at the gate of the city and people would honor them and so men like Bob Bolkin I know from sitting in the barber chair and listening to people talk about people men like Bob Bolkin and Walt Cundiff these guys in our community not just in our church in our community people esteem them very highly they're like Old Testament style elders right people know who they are 
and they they had that position. Well, you need to be wise and gentle and respectful. Really, that's the word, respectful, when you address someone that is an elder in general. And I think that's obviously in our culture being lost. And so I'm sure I'm going to hit the whole body of Christ tonight with this message, but because um, <clears throat> all the youth groups here. But um, as we read, uh, these are men who bear these responsibilities, and it was important for Timothy to know to not prefer the younger members of the body to the elder members. Uh, that's also important. There has to be a balance here. As a pastor, uh, it was his responsibility to minister to all the members of the body. Right, so that's also balanced there. And the younger men as brethren. So he's not excluding the younger. Um, they also deserve respect, and younger women as well. And there's a mutual uh, respect for the roles of each and how they all bring health to the body of Christ. And we should have that kind of heart for the members of the body. When I hear of a church that wants to, to run the elders off right, or, or make light of them, um, I know that's a church that's either immature at best or possibly a church that's swerved and heading for shipwreck because they don't actually understand what the body composition is is like. I mean, the last thing you want to do is is have a siloed body, right? All young people are, are, or are, are old, old people. I, f- I saw a funny tweet. There's a guy called Lloyd Legalist, and, uh, um, and you know, it's a funny little name. He's, he's on Twitter, but he... Uh, um, in his post, uh, on uh, he's he's uh, he says I'm pastor of this. I'm proudly something like I'm the I'm the I'm pastor of the slowest growing church in America, the oldest and slowest growing church in America. And it's a picture of these really old people in an old legalistic Baptist church, you know. And so we shouldn't be proud of that either, right? There's a balance uh, between all of that. But the whole the point is is that we should respect all people that come in the church, all the members of the body of Christ. It, it was the elders of this church who encouraged uh, me and uh, our young congregation and, pray, and paid the bills for the proper in the building, along with the time, the talent, and treasure that paved the way for many young people uh, who don't even know about their sacrifices, right? And I'd say that's the way it is in a lot of churches, right? So uh, I was up at Willow Creek, not that I recommend Willow Creek, but I was up there for a conference earlier this year, and it was I was uh, walking through the door late to one of the sessions. I don't remember what I was doing. And I, well, one of the reasons I was late is I got to talking to one of the ushers, and uh, I was talking to this usher. I've read books about Willow Creek, the founding pastor. He fell into sin a few years ago, and he's done. And so, um, so I was talking to this guy who was an usher, and he was there in the beginning. He was talking to me about when they met at the theater and when they were in the gravel parking lot. Da da da. He was there before all of this stuff. And I actually was so honored. I didn't really care about the people on the stage. I, th- I was just—I was so wrapped up in talking to this guy. I thought, man, this guy has gone through it, and uh, he's probably in his 60s, maybe early 70s. And he—you know what he's doing? He's back there with brochures, and he's in his station, and he's doing a great job. He's got his little lanyard on, and he's got a smile, and he's greeting people, and he's just serving Jesus. And I thought, man, that's the guy, you know, right there. That is the guy that's going to be on the front row of heaven, because he's just doing what he's—he's he's serving Jesus, come what may, and. Uh, I just thought, man, that's pretty cool. I really enjoyed talking to that fella and appreciated him. Um, I don't know what that has to do with what I'm saying right now, other than he was, oh, I do know what it has to say with where I'm going with that. So uh, that guy is like what I would call a pillar in the church, right? He's somebody who is who is stable. He's a stalwart. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm thankful I can go to Willow Creek and come back and say something positive, praise God. So, um, so, you know, but there are those type of people, um, uh, even in churches like that, 
and I really appreciate uh, the saints like that. So you'd be shocked. You, I might, you know what? I got a surprise for you. Some people that might not even know about the King James Bible might be ahead of us at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't that be shocking? Uh, because they did more with what they had than maybe some of us that have too much is given, much is required, right? So, uh, so you, you just got to weigh all that out. But we'll let Jesus take care of that. So anyway, take time to get to know the pillars of your church here at HBF, um, and we have them, and, uh, and some are sitting right in the room. So, so knowing the pillars of the church are important, and thank them for their faithfulness and, and emulate that steadfast faith. So guess what? This church wasn't built on Timothy. It was built upon Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and the members of the body. Now, Timothy was important, um, and Ephesus was a church-planning church, right? So from Ephesus... Uh, we think, you know, most of the churches of Asia probably were the church plants out of that because he had the Bible Institute there where he was preaching. But that's another that's another message. So, uh, point four, and treat younger men as brothers. Uh, you don't treat your brother exactly the way you treat your father, uh, but you should still honor him. Sometimes it's harder to honor your brother than your father. Uh, when is it hard to, by the way, when is it hard to honor a father? When he's ungodly. Exactly, when he doesn't act like a father. It is hard to honor men just because they're old, right? Uh, just because they're old uh, doesn't mean they act with maturity. It doesn't mean you should be respectful of everyone. Um, but uh, but we definitely, there is a distinction. And that's why it's often harder to, to uh, honor a brother than it is an elder that acts like an elder that's mature. Because if they're immature sometimes, they can, they can cause you problems and grief. Brothers are known to fight with one another. <laughs> But uh, but the, he says, hey, make sure that you, um, specifically, he says, you take the younger men and you treat them as brethren. Uh, and so treat them as brothers. And so you don't treat your brother exactly the way you do your father. Uh, nonetheless, you should honor him. The great commandment is directional, and that is vertical. We love God, right, first. And then we love people, which is horizontal. So we go vertical to God, then horizontal to people, especially our neighbor. Um, the father above us and the brother is next to us. And so the scripture has a lot to say about brothers. I listed those verses out. Uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend loveth at all times, but and a brother is born for adversity. So a brother is going to be there for you when the chips are down. Uh, what's, brother, what's better than a brother that's far away, though? As the proverb says, a neighbor that's near. I just read that yesterday. Romans twelve ten. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Now, that's very applicable. So notice how he's uh, in, to the Romans. He's he's telling us there should be some kind affection. You know, so affection. This morning we were talking about setting our affection on things above. We also need to set it on the people below. We should be affectionate. I got a lot of love today from uh, uh, the. Uh, Chloe and Annabeth's dad. He runs out in the hallway, gives me this big old bear hug. I, I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. You know, just a sweet, kindly, affectionate man. Um, and I know him. I'm acquainted with him, but I'm not like his best friend. And I just thought, wow, that was of Jesus. You know, it was just really sweet. Um, that's being kindly, affectionate one to another. That's brotherly love. And you know what? That's Philadelphian. That's really good. Um, and so we should put others ahead of ourselves. That's, that's In a practical way, you, we can show brotherly love, not by hugging people in the foyer, though that's absolutely tremendous. Um, you got to be careful with some of that. Uh, Jeremy's like, my dad will not take a hug, thank you. 
<laughs> so, his dad's the opposite of that. So I thought that was kind of funny. So it's not all about hugging each other. Um, what it is is about preferring others ahead of ourselves, right? Putting others ahead of ourselves. So it's like, hey, uh, you go first. No, I'll go first. You go first. No, you go first. I was about to say, no, I'll go first. <laughs> so, thank you for holding the door. <laughs> I was at the restaurant yesterday with my, uh, was that yesterday? Day before yesterday with my in-laws and uh, we did, went through this ordeal at the restaurant where we ate for Thanksgiving and it was with some strangers. We were all preferring one ahead of the other. We couldn't decide who's going to go through the door. So I, I won. I finally held the door long enough that they went through. So uh, that's, that's, that's good. That's the way we, we need to do it. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Right, and so uh, touching brotherly love, right? That's um, we are to love one another, and so Second uh, Peter one seven it says, "And godliness," he's just talking to add, and 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 to godliness brotherly kindness. And if you guys know First Peter, he's working through those uh, up to uh, virtue there, and uh, to and <clears throat> and godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness charity. And so that we're to grow in charity. So charity is uh, the apex. So we can we can uh, take our spiritual temperature real quick by evaluating how we interact with our brothers in Christ. And you can see that in the following verses. First uh, John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. All right. So he that now you don't have to tell me you love the brethren. You know in your heart if you love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Uh, and so, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Uh, you know, we just kind of skip over First John 4.20, but when you really meditate upon that, <clears throat> perhaps we should highlight that at the next Lord's Supper, right? Um, how can you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brothers that you do see? And I, I am amazed at, at times of the... Of the uh, the bitterness that is within members of the body toward their brothers and sisters. Uh, sometimes they're the most benign and petty things. And it's a, it's a clear indication that the problem really isn't with their brother. Who's it with? Huh? With you and your relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, it's with God. Me? I'm, I'm hurt. No, um, no, I'm not really. So, right, it's with, it's with us, right? It's with God. And, uh, and so that's kind of an indication, and we see that in others. we also got to check ourselves. If we just all the time are having issues with our brothers, really we need to step back and go, what's wrong with me? How's my relationship with the Lord? And uh, what's going on with me? Because something's not right. Uh, let brotherly love continue. That's what Hebrews 13.1 says. And so, love is a command, right? And it is a choice, by the way. Love is a choice. Uh, Hebrews 4.21 also says, And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And, and so, we don't have to feel good about it. We need to just do it. All right. Philadelphian church saw incredible open doors because uh, their name implies they were a church of brotherly love. And in uh, John 13.35 the Bible says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I almost introduced this uh, message with that verse, but I took it. I didn't do that. I ended up not doing any verses. I had a couple of them I was going to do. But uh, point five, let's see how far I can get here. Uh, and treat uh, elder women as mothers. So you honor elder women just like you do your mother. So if you don't honor your mother, then 
whatever you're not doing to your mother, don't do the don't do don't treat your mother or don't treat the women at church, the elder women at church like you would treat your mother then. So Ephesians six two says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So Ruth is a great example of how to entreat uh, a mother. Even though uh, Naomi was her mother-in-law, that is a wonderful example of how to entreat a mother, a whole book of Ruth. So not only is it about her her faith um, and how she loved God by faith as a Gentile, but she's also a wonderful example of treating a mother. And then number six, entreat younger women as sisters, right? So we see that in the text. That's a very practical, uh, it's a very practical passage for singles by the way and so um, I've been I've been rehearsing this with uh, my children especially Uh, so how how should we behave ourselves toward the opposite sex well as a brother or sister which of course is impurity so young men uh, should protect their sister and do nothing to hinder or hurt them uh, in any way and younger women should treat their brothers with honor and respect them and uh, not uh, <clears throat> hinder them in any other in any way as well. Uh, now that's easy for me to say, uh, but that is not always easy for young people to do. And so uh, it also behooves the older folks to you know help with that where they can. All right, so I'm going to stop there. So um, address members appropriately. Next time we get together, we'll talk about relieve, uh, relieve the weak responsively. All right, that's how we build the body. So we address the members appropriately, and then we will relieve the weak responsibly. But we're going to stop right there for tonight so we can pray. And uh, I got an update. Let me turn off this recorder, and then I will give you an update. Last thing before you... Uh-huh. I was thinking back about you know you were talking about when is a when is it not easy to honor a father you know when he's ungodly mm-hmm. and I this verse immediately popped into my mind is Ecclesiastes four thirteen it says better is a poor and a wise child than an old old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Mm. Well, that's good. In Ecclesiastes, that one doesn't even ring a bell. That's a good one for me. I don't have that one like rumbling around in my head. That's so. Anyway, uh, it's just one of those verses that you just kind of slipped in there. Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is really good. I'll write that down here. Yeah, we didn't really get into too deep into that discussion, but. It's hard to honor some elders, and I understand that. Because they don't act like elders. Yep. Well, the context here, though, is the body of Christ. Yeah, we're not really... So just so we're all clear, you know, we're not really talking about unbelievers. However, it is still always... It's really important to honor those in the family that are elders as much as you can as much as life in you right you should live peaceably you should honor your mother-in-law your father-in-law your mom and your dad i uh <clears throat> i got i was i didn't honor my mother-in-law like i should have when i first when i was young and i regretted that fortunately i've made the, i think i've got that all right now but it troubled me for years so uh you don't want to be in that boat so, okay, I'm going to hand out the prayer pieces here. Uh, I got a couple of prayer updates that are on my coming in as I was speaking. I was 
talking. There's some things going on in Oaxaca, so I want to give you guys an update on that, and we'll we'll go to praying. So I just divided these up for you. Hopefully, we got a lot tonight <clears throat> per person. You guys will have to do heavy lifting. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Some of those may be a little dated, as uh, we've been traveling and doing things and what have you. But uh, you know, generically or generally, they're they're going to cover many of the things that are on the prayer list. Okay, let me turn this off.